Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Well, welcome back to the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. I'm Ryan Aris, and today I'm joined by Joe Boot. Nathan Oblak's normally with us, but he's away today. And Joe, we are uh, at long last, after several weeks of, uh, of talking around it, uh, we're getting down to Bill C-10. And what, uh, what this is, this was a bill introduced in the, uh, the federal legislature in November of 2020, it's commonly referred to, uh, colloquially referred to as the Internet Censorship Bill, uh, but also significantly, a lot of people are referring to it as the streaming tax. And what it, it's, a, it's a bill to amend the, the broadcasting and uh, not just who accesses and what, uh, what kind of content is produced, but it, uh, it establishes quotas for how much Canadian content must be uh, present on any any given streaming platform, uh, mm -hmm. a percentage of talent or uh, location, uh, shoot shoot locations or uh, or other so specifically Canadian uh, input and uh, and resource into what whatever program you've got. Mm -hmm. And this is a you know, it's, it's complicated. It's got multiple moving parts. Parts of it, uh, in terms of what the government intends, are, are not fully explained, uh, which is kind of worrying in and of its own account. And honestly, I was, uh, I was talking with, uh, I think with uh, both you and Nathan earlier, that uh, I, I read this bill and some of the, uh, the opinion pieces around the bill, tried to go back to the bill and... After that, I went. To, I went and I watched paint dry. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, after reading the bill, I just thought, "Wow, paint! Like, go, man, go!" It, <laughs> this is uh, this is dense. Yeah. And the reason that uh, the reason that we're wading into it is uh, is not because we're experts uh, in the laws and regulations that surround broadcast, but. You know, Joe, you've got a level of expertise in thinking through and articulating the application of scripture to every area of life. Uh, the, and nothing is outside the rule of Jesus the King. And we, we believe that he has something to say about this bill. And more broadly, uh, this is going to touch on really important themes uh, on several fronts of human experience. And just to uh, name a few obvious ones, we're looking at freedom of expression. We're thinking about technological progress, uh, about mass media, about the phenomenon of a, a state-run media. Um, in terms of business and commerce, we're talking about level playing fields and uh, what we might call in, in biblical terms, just weights and measures. So with, uh, with all of that being said, and we can fill in some of the detail about uh, what Bill C-10 goes into, covers, does not cover. But 
why don't we uh, why don't we start with you know what does uh, what does scripture have to say maybe by good and necessary inference on the phenomenon of a state run media. <laughs> That's a softball so, uh, question to kick us <laughs> off. Then they, uh, that, was, that was a long, long set. Uh, I apologize. No, it's. Um, I think. Well, first of all, uh, what we are talking about here uh, with a bill like this is fundamentally government media. I mean, let's just be clear about that. This is about the uh, the interference uh, of government. Um, trying to expand, let's say, as a minimum, trying to significantly expand its ability to control uh, both the metrics and the content of media platforms. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the density and dullness of these bills is, of course, deliberate. It's a feature. Yeah. It's a feature of such bills, yeah, because they uh, nobody then wants to really read them. Nobody really wants to go into the detail of them. They seem innocuous. Uh, they, they they don't seem particular because the, the the objectives are not clearly stated. They seem relatively innocuous, but all they do is further expand uh, state power. They further expand. You know, I've talked about this before. Whether when we're increasingly living in a, a world in the West where we have government medicine, uh, government education, government welfare. Mm -hmm. uh, government uh, um, public health, government this, government that, and now government media. And so the we've seen actually the way in which um, pressure from government in a uh, civil government in a variety of different ways, or the state, has been curtailing freedoms of speech for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Canada, people will be familiar with the hate speech codes that we already have to deal with. And more recently, the CPSO, the uh, College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, um, has uh, warned um, uh, doctors and physicians not to speak out or question any of the pub current public health measures, for example, uh, on pain of disciplinary action. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, we're all familiar with the fact, I mean, who isn't now, that uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube in their censoring are acting far more like publishers than public platforms. And it's been, you know, on, on very stark display in the last 12 to 18 months, especially that when um, people have this kind of power, they're going to use it. So no matter how dull and innocuous and paint drying-ish this bill seems to, you know, the average reader, mm -hmm. Uh, the teeth of the bill are not innocuous. Exactly. And the, the if we think for a moment that that governments which possess this kind of power to control metrics and content of media will not use it, um, well, we're as stupid as we're, we're as foolish uh, in the same way as to imagine that YouTube or Twitter or Facebook would not use their. Uh, control ability to censor what they want to censor. So I think that's the first thing is to say, let's be clear that this is about our speech and what we say, because mm -hmm. uh, media, of course, is about communication, uh, whether it's verbal or visual or whatever uh, it may be. 
It's fundamentally about communication. And this is an effort to say that the state, the government, is going to regulate and control the details of that. Now, I gathered that early on this was going to include social media. I think that there's been some amount of backpedaling on that because of backlash. Um, but the very fact that that was the intention and that there were the intentionality behind this bill is these kind of controls should be very concerning. Now, just to very quickly before uh, you move us on from that kind of first question to kind of pick up just one or two things about what would the Bible might have to say, what does, what does the Word of God have to say about this question really of our freedom? One of the most, I think, um, powerful passages in, in Scripture in terms of uh, freedom of uh, our, our freedom of speech uh, is actually found in Acts 17, where uh, the Apostle Paul uh, in uh, in Thessalonica has been you know stirring things up. He's travelled through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia and comes to Thessalonica, and he's in the synagogues and they're becoming upset with him. He's proclaiming the Messiah. He's basically pro proclaiming the kingship of the Lord Jesus. Some people are persuaded and others not. Uh, and basically his opponents stir up a mob um, and they bring public accusations against the apostles. Uh, and it's interesting that the accusation is they are acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying, in other words, they are communicating in the form, of course, which was, there was no mass media, of course, in those days. So public speech was the medium of communication. And it was a culture that valued public speech above everything else. I mean, this is why Paul uh, periodically in his letters has to say, you know, I've heard some of you are saying that, you know, that my opponents are saying he's contemptible in speech. And so mm -hmm. he's powerful in his letters, but when he comes to speak, his physical presence is weak and so on. Because this was a culture of uh, orators, That's right. of public communicators, of sophists, and of uh, of of uh, 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 great public apologists. Yeah. And so Paul, in Acts seventeen, as you know later on, is actually hauled before the council of public regulators. Actually, for those days, he's he's at Mars Hill. He's hauled before the public regulator of communication um, at Athens. Uh, and uh, he's effectively being tried to see if he should even be permitted a license to speak. Right. That's almost certainly what was happening there. That it wasn't, this was not a, oh, very interesting gospel message, come and preach. Mm -hmm. This was really an examination of Paul to see if he uh, had the, could be issued a license to actually lecture. Because this is how the communication was done in those days. And so what's going on earlier in Acts 17, where he's accused of acting against Caesar's decrees, uh, saying that there is another King Jesus, really comes to the heart of this issue. I mean, in John uh, 8, 36, we we're told it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you'll know there is later on in the book of Acts, that, 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 sorry, earlier in the book of Acts, um, Peter being hauled before the Jewish Sanhedrin about his public speech and being told, you know, you need to stop speaking about this Christ. We've told you about this before. And he said, says, should I obey God in this matter or men? You know, judge for yourselves. Uh, of course, he's speaking to people who, sh who should know better. Um, so in scripture, the medium and the media is primarily speech. Um, because vast swathes of the population wouldn't have, have been literate even to, to read. 
um, although um, it wasn't a uh, an entirely subliterate culture, but many of the ordinary people wouldn't have read. So speech was the was the fundamental medium of communication, and freedom is the concern, is the repeated concern uh, of the Word of God, um, because we are under Christ who has set us free. We are freed from the uh, tyrannical regulations of men who will want to say to us that ultimately power and authority and sovereignty to regulate communication lies with man and the state. Mm -hmm. And this was fundamentally resisted in Scripture. Um, in 1 Timothy 2, uh, Paul says, beginning in verse 1, he says, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And so Paul is there saying we should be interceding for people in high position, and that actually tells us something about our position. We intercede between God and people in high position. That's that right. shows the degree of our authority. In order that we be left alone uh, in peace to share our message and li live dignified lives and make known the fact that Christ wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth and that he is the only mediator between the divine, between absolute authority and man, and every other form of authority must serve him. And so Peter Similarly says in 1 Peter 2, uh, 16 through 17, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. So, and then he goes on to talk about honoring the brotherhood, fearing God, and in its place, honoring civil authority, honoring the emperor. So it's always in that order. And so um, the, the, the scriptures, I mean, the, the spoken word, of course, is something that confronts us immediately at the beginning of the Bible in, in Genesis. It's right. God who speaks the original word, who communicates all things into existence, mm -hmm. creates us as image bearers to communicate. And that's part of our dominion mandate, actually, to communicate truthfully uh, and to communicate the uh, creation norms and the, and the word revelation of God to man and reflect God's will and purpose in all our communication back to creation. And so we can never allow man and his agencies and his institutions to, be, to, to then govern, think that they can control uh, the image bearer of God in, 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 in directing and controlling and manipulating all communication in terms of their idea. The original communicator is God. And of course, the Apostle John, uh, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word, the Word was God. Every other word is, is a derivative word. Every other form of communication is derivative, and it's either faithful or unfaithful, covenant-keeping or not, mm -hmm. and so is subject to the ultimate word of God. And that's ultimately what this comes down to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you made, a, made a, a really interesting point, well, throughout, but you made an interesting point uh, at the end there that communication is going to be faithful or unfaithful. And there's a the principle here is, is inescapable on a, on a cultural level. Every society is going to protect 
with its strongest laws, strongest sanctions, and uh, promote through its, its strongest incentives the things that it values. And uh, that, I, I see that at work here in, uh, in Bill C-10, where you've, you've effectively got a gatekeeper in the state, in the, uh, the CRTC, saying uh, these, not necessarily these are the things that you say, but these are the conditions under which you may mm -hmm. say them to, to the audience that, uh, that we yeah. claim to represent. Yes, so combined actually with uh, the speech codes that uh, we're dealing with now as well, you can see how the walls very much are closing in around communication. But I think that's a very good point you make that the institutions that we most value because of their influence, we protect or guard or shelter with sanctions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think actually because law functions in that way fundamentally what well, law does law is more than advice law uh, is not just concerned with a precept or a principle it's concerned to then guard that principle with sanction right and so there is obviously a sense right now among policymakers and among in civil government that the 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 they recognize the power the sheer power and significance that media has taken on in modern life. Uh, many of the things that have happened even over the past 18 months really couldn't have happened without the power of social media mm -hmm. and without mass media. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's very difficult to control a population if you don't have m um, mass media available to you. They, so government recognizes the significance and the power of media now and mass media to shape and form opinion, to shape and form society. Um, just as education, right. modern civil government feels the absolute need to control education you know, from daycare uh, and instill its curriculum um, with government education. Because there's, they, they understand, people understand the power of education to shape the mind and thereby form the future. There's a very clear recognition now that this, that really over what is fundamentally, I mean, it's the last 20 years, because when I began in uh, my professional working life in Christian apologetics in my early 20s, uh, the mobile phones were only just uh, coming into use right. for travel. Yeah. And, uh, and car phones. oh yeah, that's right. It was still car phones initially when I was working. And then of course the, the, then the computer and then of course the birth of the internet and its growth and all of the, so, so these are relatively in historical terms, very new developments. The power of this is now being recognized. And so uh, the state now wants to protect mass media as a government institution effectively is saying mm -hmm. here is an institution Instead of um, uh, freedom, if you will, even of the press, we used to speak about freedom of the press. I think it was um, Mark Levin who's written a book, the American com Jewish commentator who's talk written a book recently called Unfreedom of the Press. Okay. Uh, and we, we've often talked about the importance of freedom of the press in a free society. Well, of course, press refers to the traditional printing press. Right. Uh, and of course, we need a kind of a new language now for modern mass media. But, um, but the principle is the same, 
And if really this is saying that, that that freedom needs to be controlled. It needs to be have very clear parameters set by the state. Metrics and content need to be monitored. Um, and as I said before, if we believe for a minute that governments won't use a, the power afforded to them by these kinds of bills because they recognize the power of media to shape people's thinking, their lives and thereby the future, we're very foolish. The, the social media companies absolutely are doing it. And, and uh, we see governments around the world trying to do it. Mm -hmm. And so there is a tremendous danger in this um, that we have to be alert to. And the fact that there are, the policymakers are even thinking in these terms is deeply disturbing. None of us as believers would want to say that there isn't a place for uh, decency in media, that, 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 that um, um, that there would be law or regulation around obscenity, mm -hmm. right, and mm -hmm. and filth, yeah. right, and that, uh, that 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 there is an obligation on the part of a society to 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 avoid uh, to guard protect people from uh, obscenity, um, and um, and and so there has always been historically in any society some forms of censorship. Yeah. Uh, for example, pornography would have been something that even, you know, 30, 20, 30 years ago um, in, our, in our culture would have been subject to much greater censorship um, than it is now because of public indecency and obscenity. Right. Uh, but of course, as the values of a culture change and as the religion changes and as we have now, we live in a pornographic age and a pornographic era, where those things are celebrated, where there's almost a religious connotation to um, uh, sexual libertarianism or libertinism or license. Um, and there is a, and that's perhaps another subject for another podcast, the nature and character of, <clears throat> of modern pornography, uh, which reflects the religious change in, in our culture. Um, so there, what I'm not suggesting is that there has never been uh, a uh, um, uh, certain amount of uh, regulation and, and, and censorship of what is presented to the public. Um, but that would be governed by a set of principles uh, that first values freedom and then has a very uh, and, and an extremely limited understanding of what uh, uh, censorship ought to be around a very narrowly defined set of parameters. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing now is this massive, expansive growth of, of what should be regarded as approved opinion. And that perhaps takes yeah. us to the next step in all of this discussion into, you know, what's the agenda behind all of that? I mean, why right. do we have to, why are we unconcerned about pornography uh, or at least minimally concerned about those things and incredibly concerned about controlling metrics and content of media in some greatly expanded fashion as, as suggested in Bill C-10. Right, right, exactly. And on that, so uh, you're, I, think, I think you're right, and I agree that we're not, uh, we're not here advocating for completely unhinged uh, media allowances. There's, there's going to be some kind of, of legislation uh, society is going to protect and promote those things that it values. Uh, and I'm not even, like, the, uh, the Broadcasting Act uh, has not been updated since 
those early days of your ministry in the, you know, in the 90s. So the internet was not really a thing the last time the, the Broadcasting Act uh, mm. was revised. So I'm not, I don't even suggest that we should, that this shouldn't be a conversation, that, that something shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be discussed in terms of broadcast standards. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, so what, it, uh, what Bill C-10 purports to do, just to lay out a little bit more of this, is to expand Canada's Broadcast Act so that it does apply to all of the streaming audio or video content uh, retrieved and accessed through the internet on platforms like YouTube, Netflix, Spotify, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It, uh, the, the difficulty, the, uh, one, of, one of the big, the big concerns uh, that I have and that a lot of people have is that so many of these platforms are, carry a, a percentage, even a majority in some cases of user generated content. You know whether that's uh, whether that's you on the sidelines at your son's soccer game, putting like, "Hey, he's look at this great goal that he scored," or people who, who uh, this podcast, people people who make their living by monetizing their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, it's so yeah. Again, part of, part of what makes this bill a major concern is a combination of. Unclear rules, uh, unrealistic or unacknowledged uh, a spectrum of sort of user involvement and uh, the uh, an unclear definition of that user generated content. Mm -hmm. uh, so who who does the who do these things actually apply to? Uh, is a an unanswered question. Uh, so it's it's a combination of that those rules subject to diverse interpretation depending on which official is uh, is interpreting it combined with uh, the sharp teeth that uh, you mentioned earlier that it gives to uh, to the state to enforce the potentially arbitrary interpretation and this uh, like we talk about sharp teeth what that means in this case is a, uh, up to 15 million dollars in uh, in fines, taxes and fees to any platform that finds itself in non-compliance. So we're ta we're talking about uh, you mentioned a uh, the freedom of expression. Uh, what you've got on the other side of that in a in a mass media age yeah, what we're talking about here is the potent is leaving the door open for a global communication freeze out. I think, mm -hmm. where you've got a uh, a situation where a platform decides, you know, it's it's just cost prohibitive. It's not worth it to have our content available in this area. Mm -hmm. There, there's interest maybe on behalf of citizens and subscribers, but the regulations are driving us out. Yeah, and that's a you know that just one more, one more thing on that. I know that you've got uh, plenty to respond to, but it, it's not just in terms of oh, I can't access some of my favorite shows or podcasts or artists. It's it's got potential to say I can't access this communications platform. Mm -hmm. It leaves this the door open to state control of not just media that we consume, but communication that we engage in. 
Right. And I think that's, you know, if, if there's one thing we've learned over the past few years in Canada, it's that uh, the vagaries of bills is something that, that government likes. Mm-hmm. The vagaries of law, like to take take the vagaries of Bill C six, for example, and then also we've learned that what we're to- what starts out as something allegedly being uh, sounding a relatively small adjustment. Uh, think about uh, going back to civil partnerships, right. uh, and how you know over a period of twenty years the, the, that there's been an unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, in trying to redefine human sexuality. Take euthanasia, for example, in this country. Started off, we were being told this would only apply to people whose death uh, from a terminal illness was reasonably foreseeable. Mm-hmm. It was just around the corner. Now we've had, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, made medical assistance in dying. We've had Bill C-7 and a massive expansion of that. With that, the essentially the removal of the conscience rights of doctors. Yeah to not give active referrals for death. Now, government policymakers and committees are discussing the full implementation of a ex- huge expansion of the accessibility of euthanasia to uh, uh, people who are even depressed, even, even um, you know, competent minors and so on. These are now the conversations that are going on. And the, you know, the slippery slope argument is always dismissed at the beginning. And then a few years later, here you are. Until you're down the slope. Until you're at the bottom of the slope. And so we've seen all of this before. And so they, it comes in under these, uh, you know, well, we need to update this act. It hasn't been updated in a while. And uh, in the small print, you've got all of these um, uh, ideas with incredible nefarious potential. And what comes to mind is, you know, when you were talking about control of access of even platforms, it, China comes to mind, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, North Korea, countries where which control e- what people can even access, uh, so that it's not just about controlling the content that is available and shaping the metrics of that and the and the, the form of it. It's actually about controlling and governing what people are even able to access in this region or in this territory, and that is. Um, is deeply disturbing, and, and and of course the question that comes fundamentally to mind is is why would that be important? Uh, what what would be the view of reality that's informing that? And maybe this is where we can sort of draw the threads of this together. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, it was after I think the um, the attacks on September 11th in the United States. Um, uh, the former lead leader of the Liberal Party in Canada, uh, Michael Ignatieff, he's uh, professor at uh, was a professor at Harvard, and in an article when he's sort of reflecting on the alleged failures of the U.S. government in that situation, he articulates the modern concept of sovereignty, and he put it this way: He says, "A sovereign is a state with a monopoly on the means of force. Uh, in other words, a monopoly on coercion. Yeah. Uh, it is the object of ultimate allegiance." and the source of law, end quote. Um, And that was in an article in the Globe and Mail um, back in 2011. Mm. Um, And uh, that is an incredibly dangerous uh, statement, but it it has become the modern liberal definition of sovereignty, that all the means of coercion belong to the state, 
Hence the way in which the state now tries to control what families have family discipline and uh, the, ra the, the details of the raising of our children in terms of um, ideas about human identity and sexuality and so on. So it's the, it's, the, uh, it's, the, it's the only sovereign that makes it the object of ultimate allegiance, Ignatiev says. So he now have bills that want to control our communication because the state is the object of our ultimate allegiance. It must govern and control those things. And it's the source of law itself. So God is no longer the ultimate source of law. The state becomes the source of law. So um, what we're dealing with behind all of this is a broader worldview project. Yep. It's a, with a broader religious goal. And um, ironically, I think that that is actually, um, uh, even though this is national legislation, it's globalism. Right? It's a, actually a, a, the, because the, what's driving this um, uh, secular liberal vision of society is being defined by this radical, egalitarian, equalitarian uh, idea for planetary salvation. We need to somehow control and govern what people consume in mass media because mass media is seen as being completely international and, mm -hmm. and uh, accessible everywhere uh, and we need to um, uh, manage it if necessary by you know force by law um, uh, to conform to man's idea of what the the, the, the the future is meant to be so there's a kind of liberal uh, imperialism, which is going to shame, it's going to hunt down opposition, it's going to censor the old, the older Christian views, it's going to stigmatize opinion and policy that might be resistant to the new uh, liberal agenda, and um, it demands conformity, and it demands conformity uh, everywhere, including your speech, mm -hmm. your thought, and media. And uh, uh, I think it was um, uh, Yoram Hazoni, the um, political philosopher yep. uh, in the US. Uh, who, let me just give you this quote here, what he talks about when he talks about a universal political order. He says, and I quote, under a universal political order, tolerance for diverse political and religious standpoints must necessarily decline. Western elites, whose views are now being aggressively homogenized in conformity with the new liberal construction, are finding it increasingly difficult to recognize a need for, a, for the kind of toleration of divergent standpoints that the principle of self-determination had once rendered axiomatic. Tolerance, he says, like nationalism, is becoming a relic of a bygone age. The emerging liberal construction is incapable of respecting, much less celebrating, the deviation of nations seeking to assert a right to their own unique laws, traditions, and policies. Any such dissent is held to be vulgar and ignorant, if not evidence of a fascistic mindset. Campaigns of delegitimization in both Europe and America have been directed against the practice of Christianity and Judaism, religions on which the old biblical political order is based. It requires no special insight, and I think this is really important now. He says it requires no special insight to see that this is only the beginning 
and that the teaching and practice of traditional forms of Judaism and Christianity will become ever more untenable as the liberal construction advances. Genuine diversity in the constitutional or religious character of the Western nations persists only at a mounting cost to those who insist on their freedom. And I think he really uh, nails it there. What, 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 is, what is the Canadian state after? Well, it's after a cosmopolitan, uh, liberal, progressive vision of society, and it needs to keep out voices and communication and platforms and content that are ultimately unsupportive of that. That uh, we all know that Justin Trudeau has been very open about his admiration for the basic dictatorship, he says, of the Chinese state. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being alarmist. I'm simply, you know, reflecting on the fact that he sees this cultural moment as a moment for reimagining uh, society. And it's not just um, uh, Trudeau either, is it? It's many Western elites uh, and political leaders. Um, and they ultimately believe that their view is rational. Uh, that it is um, scientific. In a certain sense, it's, it's thoroughly technocratic because, of course, now we're dealing with mass media or control of digital communications, so this is also part of technocracy. But it's technocratic globalism. It's saying we must monitor, control content media to make sure that it's advancing, as you've said earlier, you know, it's, pro it's protecting the... Uh, institutions of uh, or and the means of communication within our society uh, with sanctions, and those are pretty heavy sanctions. You talked about millions and millions of dollars there. Tens of millions. Tens of millions. I mean, enough to crush uh, most um, smaller platforms sure. um, to ensure conformity to their perspective. Um, because uh, essentially, um, this is the vision for the earth. It's the vision for the planet. And if you've got principles or practices or views or institutions that can't be embraced in their view universally, then they must be transcended because they're divisive. Mm -hmm. So you pick the new religion, the new religious principle, and, and now, of course, it's no surprise that a bill dealing with digital uh, communications becomes front and center because central to maintaining that uh, homogenic uh, um, idea for society is technology. Mm -hmm. And in this view, of course, in their worldview, technology, as it was in the, uh, has been in Marxist worldviews anyway, technology is central to, you know, it's man in his artificiality in, in terms of his technological construction, that as he controls that, he can reimagine himself and human society and recreate it in his own image. And so it becomes absolutely critical that technology, communications, is controlled, brought under the control of the state, and that penalties are assigned for violators of the preferred religious content of a global egalitarian, equalitarian order. It's may maybe a common or a well-known perspective that th this talk of freedom of expression, this is often thought of in terms of a thoroughly modernist emphasis on my rights, that, uh, you know, I have a right to, to say what I want, to come with a kind of don't tread on me attitude. But the way, the way that you're describing freedom is a gospel issue, if I'm hearing you rightly. Mm -hmm. And freedom of expression is 
one uh, one aspect or element of that the broader full fullness of freedom that uh, that the gospel affords us absolutely um it's interesting actually that um you know we've talked about how uh the sanctions around these things are 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 framed in in such a way that a in terms of a particular future that is being imagined right a particular idea of the future drives the kind of laws that we have because of the shape of the society that we want uh, going forward and um you know in the sort of neo marxist perspective as technology communications all these things advance man is supposedly of necessity heading towards uh, a kingdom of freedom you know by this kind of controlled communication and technocratic order man is emerging into a new kind of freedom and his slavery and bondage to the old norms uh, effectively to god's word god's law uh, is releases man into this into this new kingdom of freedom but this freedom is not freedom as we understand it that is freedom under god where um you know god's restrictions are pretty straightforward there's 10 commandments mm, that's right. right and i think it was gk chesterton we may have said this before he said you know if you don't live by the 10 commandments you'll live by the 10000 commandments so we've yeah. got the 10 commandments those commandments i i fleshed out in biblical uh, in the scriptures in terms of about 613 laws uh now that's liberty <laughs> right mm. uh today there are millions of regulations you need specialist lawyers in almost every aspect of modern life uh because and this is the issue of technocracy right is as we've involved the state as we've brought more and more areas of life un under this idea of uh the totalizing state right the regulatory state uh, as it moves into more and more areas of life of course you need more and more and more regulation of every kind to govern all the aspects that the state now believes it's supposed to be governing and so endless uh, uh stacks of uh, regulations that 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 pile from here to the moon quite literally mm. um uh you know if you stack them one on top of the other uh of human regulation to to govern every aspect of people's lives so the the freedom that we're talking about here this this idea of man's uh doing away with his alienation the progress of history is actually a constantly expanding range of controlled and regulated acts it's a it's an expanding range of controlled regulated acts that that's the paradox right of this this sort of progressive liberal neo-marxist vision of freedom it's the expansion of controlled regulated acts that is supposedly liberating you from the 10 commandments right. right from from basically biblical biblical libertarianism from freedom under god uh with a minimal uh, state with its limited to being its a, a ministry of justice uh now moves into all of these um uh different areas and so it's a very very different uh idea of uh freedom it's not the one that jesus has in mind it is for freedom that christ has set us free if the sun sets you free i think john 8:36 you will be free indeed mm -hmm. um and that means uh freedom from 
the, the regulation of all of your communication by the state. Now, you only have to look at where persecution is, uh, is happening in more extreme forms of the Christian church, like places in China, uh, North Korea, that the, the, this is a gospel issue because as soon as you start to say the state has ultimate authority over communication and speech, uh, except in a very narrowly defined area. And by the way, that speech was usually in Christian culture, uh, a prohibitions against blasphemy and mm-hmm. perjury. That's right, yeah. Right, Bla- blasphemy against the Lord and some of our blasphemy laws in the West have only just fallen away in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, um, perjury in courts of law and the, therefore the importance of oaths. And th- that's what mattered. Um, now it's this this um, desire that uh, man's speech, his ability to even communicate the truths of the kingdom of God and the law of God in a mo- in a whole raft of different areas now are increasingly being seen as forms of hate, and that would of course then bring in the regulators of the state to say, hang on a moment, that's a violation of the Broadcast Act. Uh, you're fined for what you've just said there. Um, because you're in violation of various speech codes and it doesn't conform to the content that we've required and you haven't done it in terms of the metrics and so on and so on and so forth. So this is the danger of it. Communication has to be a gospel issue. The word is something that is preached. Romans 10, you know, faith comes by hearing and how shall they hear unless someone preaches to them right. uh, and, and, and how will they preach unless somebody is sent? How lovely are the feet of those that bring good news? And sort of the, many of the means of communicating good news today are through these digital platforms because people don't gather in the same way as they used to in the marketplace uh, at, at, on Mars Hill to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this, this shows you how, you know, communication, I talked about Genesis 1, John 1, us as image bearers of God in our communication. Communication must remain free. And where it is to be governed or, 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 or regulated in terms of making sure that it's God honoring, of course we would, as we've said earlier, be in favor of certain forms of censorship in media. Um, but that depends on the God that you serve, doesn't it? Is your communication in service of an idol in which case the living God and his message will be censored? Or um, is your communication in service of the living God, in which case the, the, um, the idols of our age that rage against the Lord would experience a degree, as we've seen in the history of the Western world with blasphemy laws and so on and obscenity laws, would experience a degree of censorship. But it's only a very small degree because the principle of sphere sovereignty that we talk about endlessly mm. on mm. Uh, the, our, our podcast, and we, there we, we need to repeat it again, means that these various spheres of life are independent spheres under Christ and are not to be treated in parts the whole relationship with the state. That's right. And so uh, our principle would maximize people's freedom of communication with very few limits placed upon it so that ideas can be brought into the public space and um, God's truth prevail uh, because, the, and this is why they must censor everything, the things that we would say, and this is why this, some of these speech codes exist because uh, actually they're afraid of the gospel. They're afraid of um, the Acts 17 there, the, the decrees, the, 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 us declaring the kingship of Jesus. Yeah. 
they don't want us violating the decrees of Caesar. Uh, just like the Sanhedrin telling Peter to keep his mouth shut. And so for me, that's what this ultimately comes down to. These things are always uh, can be related back to the gospel. Um, and at the heart of that is our freedom to make that gospel known. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's a, that's a good word. Joe, thanks a lot for being here today. Thank you all for listening. This has been Worldview Wednesday, reminding you that from him, through him, and to him, are all things. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. It's passed down as a prophecy Every year about this time